0: to talk about a subject. This is uh, Satan's favorite method of ruining you. His favorite method. He'd love to be able to mess you up. He can't take your salvation. He can't touch you without permission. But he can tempt you all kinds of ways. And every one of you have somehow up to this moment in time, probably everybody in this room has survived This particular temptation he's run by you. It's not over yet. Game's not over till it's over. So let's look at a couple verses. Satan's tricks and deceits. He's got a plan for you. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 verse 11 says, "Let Satan should get an advantage of us. We are not ignorant of his devices." The word "devices" is in the Greek. It it's uh, it can mean also thoughts. So Satan and his crew. I'm not big enough for Satan himself to be putting any time on me, but I know that he has demonic servants, and some of them do put time on me, thinking about me. Just think about it. Somebody's thinking about you. There's somebody you don't want thinking about you, but we know Satan's thoughts, We do. We know saints, thoughts, by reading the Bible. You won't know without reading the Bible. Ephesians 6-11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles in the Greek means methods or trickery. The trickery of the devil. He's wanting to trick you. Okay, you got saved. You tried to stop it. He probably tried to intervene on you getting saved a lot of different times, a lot of different ways, but the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the person brought it to you somehow or another, you got saved. You're born into the family of God. He can't stop that. Once you get saved, He can mess you up to where you're not good for anybody or anything. Why do you think there's so many people born again that never attend a local fundamental Bible-believing church? Why do you think there's so many? There are many. Many Christians, so-called Christians, you couldn't talk them out of it. They don't go to any church. They go to no church. What has happened to them? What's happened? You know from reading the Bible, the local church is God's method for reaching the world. It's His method, it's His way, going all the way back to Acts chapter 1. You should receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witness to me in Judea and Samaria and, and to the uttermost part of the world. You're, it's God's way. He put in the book of Timothy and Titus, he specifically uh, talked about leadership. He talks about pastors, qualifications. He talks about deacons. The word dekanos means to serve. Uh, the the deacons serve the church. The pastor, he said to the disciples, who would be greatest among you be the servant of all. Pastor's not, he does not lord it over, God get, calls a guy to lead a local group of people, he's not supposed to lord it over them, he's supposed to compel them by his leadership and love to do the right thing, but not lord it over them. He's supposed, to, in fact, to serve of all, the deacons are servants. So these deacons have real high level qualifications, uh, if, I mean, you can just, the Bible is what it is, I don't care what people believe out there, it has been accepted. Almost two thousand years now, these things have been in stone. Uh, if a deacon's got gets divorced, he, if a, if a person gets divorced, he cannot be a deacon. If a pastor, get, if if somehow a guy wants to be a pastor, gets divorced, cannot be a pastor. All of that's being broken in about every denomination except the Independent Fundamental Baptists. I don't know of any in, in that group that have violated those two areas. But it's it's almost like it wasn't in the Bible. If they don't like to do it, they just. Go over the top of it. Satan loves that kind of stuff. He loves that. He, he has thoughts towards us, and he's thinking up methods. But we know his methods, and we know his thoughts, and we shouldn't be subject to that. No one can stand before Satan without God's help. Peter thought he could. In Luke chapter 22, look what happens. And Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brothers. And here's Peter. I'm ready to go with thee, both to the prison and to death. Our brother just spoke about that on failures, plus the dog failure. I love that 15 years of bad dog. Of course, I go to I go out to Culver's with some folks, and I wonder if I'd have had a bad dog, I'd have took him outside, shot him, buried him, and got a new dog. And then and Todd tells me, You didn't have girls. He said, "Yeah, I can tell you never had girls." I said, "No, I had a boy." He'd help me dig the hole. I I just don't get it, but I never will. But nevertheless, that was a great illustration. I will never forget it. I will say that neither probably I know he hasn't forgotten it. But Peter thought he could stand before he didn't he wasn't even he wasn't even up to saying to see, I he cussed and swore. That's what always gets me about that passage. He didn't just deny Jesus. He cussed and swore. That's like double, double bad. Not only are you denying it, but now you're using foul language to deny it. Trying to get people to believe you by cussing and swearing. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, so, how can Satan harm us as Christians? That's the question I posed before you. Well, first of all, he must have permission from God. We know that. In Job chapter 1, verse 8, and we've gone over this lately for some reason, quite a bit. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in earth, the perfect upright man, one that feareth God, and escheweth evil? And Satan answered the Lord and said, "Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him, about his house, about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Basically, he's telling God, the only reason he's serving you is because you're helping him financially. But Put forth thy hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee thy face. He says, if you take his stuff away, he'll curse you. He, he don't love you. He loves what he's got. He don't love you. And uh, that, that accusation goes on today. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, thou hast, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thy hand, so Saint went forth to the presence of the Lord. In other words, he couldn't touch his body. Later on, chapter two, Saint that doesn't work, by the way. Taking Job's kids, taking Job's property, taking Job's everything didn't work. He just said, "Blessed, you know, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away." Blessed be the name of the Lord. Somebody told me a story about somebody going to see their house at the beach. The house was just destroyed at the beach, and I think this was on TV. I don't, I'm not sure if it was. I don't know how they would have seen it. But well, they were relating the story to me, and they said, the guy said, well, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. And he pointed to the wreck of his house. And blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the way to be with stuff. But, you know, the Lord gives. The Lord. <laughs> Not only is your stuff going to be taken away, but you're going to be taken away, too, from your stuff. And so, anyway, it's just we just give God the credit for the whole thing. He knows better. We don't know. But the devil... Has to ask permission. That's comforting to me. I don't know about you. That's comforting. At least I know when something comes on me or against me that it's under the loving stewardship of my Savior. Number two, he reverts to trickery that causes us to get out of balance with God and lets God judge us. That's an irony. I had an uncle that used to come over to my house, and I was a fairly rowdy child. And I don't know what it is when you get company and you're a small kid, it excites you. You guys get that when you get company over. Your kids start acting crazy. They want to show off. They do a little dance in front of the kids, And you have to whip them off for to go to bed. And we used to have company come over, and sure enough, the three boys, and we all got whipped before we went to bed. I mean, my dad was serious, serious. It's a heart attack about taking it. He'd warn you. He'd give you like the one, two, three deal, three strikes, you're out. And that's uh, so maybe where I got that three strikes you're out, you know. But he'd go one, I'd still do it. Two, I'd still do it. Three, I'd finally be d- doomed, you know. Well, my uncle would come over. Finally, one time, my uncle would, would, would you know, I'll be honest with you, he'd fire us up. He, So my dad, one day, got mad at my uncle in front of us. He said, now, I'm tired of you coming over here. And you getting my boys all ups, all excited. And you're, you know, you're you're... Begging them, egging them on, you know. And I got to whip them when you leave. Now, you're not going to be able to come over anymore if that happens. We were all going like this. So it's not our fault. It was my uncle's fault. It didn't quite work that way. This is, this is a profound statement. I preach a whole message over it. I preach a whole message over this statement. Where Jesus says to Pilate, Thou couldst have no power against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee is a greater sin, of course, which is the Pharisees and Sadducees and the Sanhedrin. Ooh, that's a big statement. Jesus was not taken to the cross. He went to the cross. He went to the cross. Nothing got out of, even though it looked out of control, it looked out of control. You know, he got arrested. I like in John's account of his arrest in the garden. They all fell back. He said, we he said, I am. Well, the word I am is is Exodus chapter three. I mean, that's he said, I am and the all that whole army came after him, the Bible says fell backward. It's because they were standing before the I am. They didn't know it. And maybe the hardest thing for Jesus going to Calvary was not to interrupt it, not to not to intercede by one word, stop. And that was that was a, that was surely tough for him to do that, because but he made it all the way because he knew if he didn't do it, we had no hope, we had no hope. So one of the best one of the best ways Satan uses to hurt us is tricks and thoughts against us. To get us out of balance this out of balance thing is as a preacher I've had most of my grief my heart ache in watching people that get saved they get grounded uh, they begin to love God and know the Bible and then they they either meet somebody that's out of balance or they watch somebody on YouTube that's out of balance and they get caught up in some heresy. To get out of balance, and, and it messes them up. It messes them up. Satan can only cause you to self-destruct. His goal is to trick you into getting out of balance in your Christian life. Illustration of a pH in the body. And I was hoping that uh, Dr. Bailey would be here tonight. He's now Dr. Bailey knows. Uh, he knows anatomy. He knows the body. Smart guy. Real smart. Guy. And if you're watching, you owe me. But anyway, uh, I call him the greatest cardiologist in the universe. But anyway, I like the guy. He's really honest, straight up and down, and he is really intelligent about what he what he's studied in life. But of what I have studied about the pH of the body—that's the okay. You understand the pH scale is from one to fourteen. Alkaline is uh, 14, 14, and an acid. Is one. I asked Dr. Gillespie, have you ever wondered why um, a vulture can stop by a three day old carcass and eat that and not give him diarrhea? So I asked Gillespie that. I said, I go to Mexico, I get it. I go to Haiti, I get it. They call it traveler's disease. You know what I mean? You go and get new bacteria. Introduce some new bacteria. but Oh, you'll, you'll be shocked. He said, oh, God made the pH of a stomach of a vulture one. No bacteria can live in a pH of one. I thought, how would your stomach lining handle a pH of one. There is a God in heaven, man, that knows. He's made stuff something just to blow your mind that he could do that. And so it's not hard for me to believe that Jonah was spent three days and three nights in the belly of a, of a great fish because he made the fish, access, you know, acceptable to. He may have died in that belly, by the way, and then been resurrected again. Very likely, it's we don't know for sure, but I believe it could be. I know three days and three nights he spent in that and was uh, spit up on the beach alive, but the pH of a body—if your body gets out of out of sync on this 7.4—I I talked to a couple doctors about it. It doesn't have to get very far out of 7.4 for you to die. I'm talking about die. Your body is constantly—yet you and I don't care. Kind of what we 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 eat one of them ho hos. What's the pH? We don't know. We eat one of those. We eat one of them Twinkies. We don't know what the pH of that is. We drink us a Pepsi. We don't know what the pH of that is. You drink coffee. That's, I think coffee is acidic. You drink your coffee, and you've got acid. So you're putting in acid. You're putting in alkaline. You're, you're putting in this. Not much of it's neutral, and yet your body takes all that and, and blends it all together and makes sure it keeps, in the cellular level, keeps your blood about 7.4. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. But it's a miracle of balance. Death is when our body gets out of balance. It's when your body just simply gets out of balance most of the time. Too much of this, too much of that, you die. You can't be sustained. Life cannot go on. Let me give you another illustration about this. The illustration of aquarium. I had a saltwater aquarium eight years, and it taught me a lot about God. And the pH of a saltwater salt aquarium. Also, that we call it specific gravity, that's the amount of salt in the water. So, I would make my own water. I'd take well water, put it into the aquarium, and you mix a certain amount of sea salt. By the way, why do you use sea salt? Sea salt has 99 trace elements in it. And if you don't, if you, you can use regular salt that they mine at Salt Lake City, but if you lose, use that kind of salt, the fish will stay alive in it if you mix it the right proportion. But their skin will be horrible. Their skin will peel off, and eventually they'll die a short life. They're just miserable now. But if you take sea salt, because of the 99 trace elements, those elements affect their skin and their outside health. And and so I would get you buy sea salt, and I'd mix it in there, and I'd check specific gravity. It's supposed to be 10.23, if I remember right. 10.23. So you take this meter in there. Oop, not enough salt. Put a little bit more salt in there, mix it up. Take this meter. Oop, I'm not when you got to 10.23, you stopped. If you went to 10.35 or 10.40, you added more water. And then you got it to 10.23. And it was, uh, it, was, it was not easy to keep the aquarium the right specific gravity. And so I, took, I, took, I went out to the beach one day and I said, I'm going to take my meter with me. I'm going to take my specific gravity meter. And you know the water's just coming in. You know how it rains. It rains and it goes into the water and mixes in with the salt. You got what they call a brackish water which is part salt water part fresh and, and, and just all mixes together and everything and nobody seems to be managing it. So I took it out into the beach. I walked out into the surf about up to my waist there and I took my little specific gravity meter and I put it in a salt. It was 10.23. I Had me a little spell. I had me a little spell. I said, God, you're managing this. You're doing a better job because I killed most of the stuff I put in my aquarium. I mean, it didn't have much of a chance once it got in my hands. And here it got. I took a cast net and threw out a cast net, and there were little fish in that dirty old sandy water of the shore there, and I took them, put them in my aquarium, and killed them. They were living. He was keeping them alive up by the shore, no problem. They were, But I put them in my aquarium it either get too much salt. You know, that, what happens is the water evaporates out and the specific gravity gets higher because there's too much salt. And so you've got to constantly be adding water and measuring all that. What's oh, wonderful? You ought to get a saltwater aquarium. Illustration of plants and moisture. Years ago, we my wife would like to have live plants and put them in the house. I used to tell her, if you want to kill a plant, just buy it and give it to Cathy. She'd bring that plant in the house, dead. She'd say, oh, I think that thing needs more water. So she'd put more water in it. And it'd get what they call root rot. And that's a great way to kill a plant. I mean, they just, they're dead in just a matter of a few weeks. And so what we just I just kept buying new plants and putting them in the house. She'd kill them. Put them in new plants, she'd kill them. Put them in new plant. And I said, we got to quit trying to put plants in the house. We've got to quit that because it's just crazy. You know, we just got to put them outside. So you put the thing outside, it's almost dead. You just put it outside casually, and all of a sudden it gets healthy and gets strong and roots up and grows out because God's doing a better job than I'm doing in the house. What's all that about? It's about balance. Balance. The right amount of moisture, the right amount of humidity, the right amount of sun, the right pH to the soil, that's big. Plants have to have certain pH or they can't pick up the nutrients. A lot of times, it's not a problem of fertilizers it's a problem of pH. So the soil's too alkaline or too acid. Depends on what plant it is. Some plants like acid. Some plants like alkaline. And so you have got to find out what your plant likes and try to <laughs> try to make that happen. But it's all about balance. And if you get out of balance, your body will die. You get out of balance, your aquarium will die. You get out of balance, your house plants will die. Out of balance is a key tool of Satan. He's trying constantly to get you to get out of balance so that you become ineffective for the kingdom of God. You know the Lord's prayer of the prayer he taught his disciples? Thy kingdom come. Our job is to spread the kingdom. That's what the Gospel Baptist's job is: is to propagate the kingdom. Tell people, hey, Jesus saves, there's a better life. The Bible's true. You know, heaven's right. And so. We go around doing that. And we organize. Somebody gets saved. We bring them into discipleship class. We try to train them. train them, you know, try to tell them the truth about about God. Saint immediately picks up and stands right alongside of us, however, and trying to get them to be lured off. I had a guy that was a, member, was a member here for about four years, tremendous guy. Man, he brought more visitors to church than anybody I ever met. I mean, he just had an influence with people. And he brought them to church and brought them to church and they heard the gospel. I mean, literally. Probably a hundred people he brought to gospels visitors within a few years. He came to me one day and he says, I'm listening to this guy on the on the on the internet. I said, Oh brother. He says, I just don't hold the position that you guys hold on the rapture anymore. I think there's gonna be a different position on the rapture. I said, What who have you been listening to? He got a heretic. It wasn't just a rapture. He had other problems. And that guy said, I can't be with you anymore. I can't be at gospel anymore. He's never gotten involved in any other church. And basically, his effectiveness for Christ is right somewhere close to zero over imbalance. How many of you ever bought a tire and you get a big old bubble on the side of it? The tire works good, holds air, but it's got a big old bubble on the side of it. Most of the time, when you come up with a bubble on the side of a perfectly good tire, by the way, the bus tires are 700 bucks. You get a bubble on the side of one of them, we take that thing off, and we throw it away because we wouldn't take the liability of having it on our children's school bus. But 98 99% of that tire is perfect. But 1% or 2%, however you want to count that bubble, is imperfect. But because of that, you have to get rid of it. It becomes it never is allowed to fulfill its purpose because of that imbalance. It's flawed and it can't be used anymore. So t- Satan will try to tempt you into getting into some excessive thing, something that will eventually cause you to be neutralized for the cause of Christ. And he's after you, and I'll just give you a heads up. He wants to try to get any way possible I have a little scenario here. It says a person gets saved, reads his Bible, goes to church, has family devotions, witnesses. Pretty soon he starts becoming overbearing and rude with what he believes. God has said. He's mean, being said of kind, overbearing instead of gentle, angry instead of self-controlled. He's a fundamental Bible-believing Christian. Not right with God, obviously. It's just as much sin to be too critical as it is to be too liberal. It's just as much sin to be too serious as it is to be too giddy. It's just as much sin to be too, have too much work in your life or too little work or too little food or too much food or too, uh, too nosy or too uninterested, too formal or too informal, too tolerant or too intolerant. The Bible says in Philippians 4-5, Let your moderation be known unto all men. It's talking about balance. Balance if you If something comes by you and it's gonna take you out of uh a, somehow take you out of a local church that's trying to do the will of god and, and it's gonna it's gonna pull you out of of uh uh helping that body of believers reach the neighborhood for Christ, think real long and hard about getting into it long and hard the ecumenical movement. Many of you maybe not even know much about it. Years ago specifically, it was a big deal. That's it. That's a movement that basically says, let's all get together. Methodists, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, let's just all get together, unite, and let's just work together. Here's what's wrong with that. They, in many cases, those denominations I just mentioned are very disobedient to the Word of God in certain specific areas not the whole thing but in sp- certain specific areas it's like the bubble that would be like that would be like me joining an anti gun movement that would be like me joining environmental group I mean I'd have no place with them I'd have no place with the uh with anti gun group that would be like me joining PETA. People eating tasty animals. That's just, you can't do it. I've been asked to join the local interministerial association since I first got into ministry 46 years ago. And they said, you know, why don't you come with us? And why don't you meet with us? I said, I can't meet with you folks. Do you believe the Bible's the word of God? Well, How much of it do you believe? Well, 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%, and some percentage of the Word of God. Some of them believe 70%. Could you have fellowship with somebody that believes the Bible was 70% true? How about 80%? How about 90%? It doesn't take much untruth to mess the thing up. It doesn't take much dirt to where you don't want to eat some food. You don't want to put too much dirt in it. A little pinch of dirt. And that's what the devil's trying to do to us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14.40, it says, Let, let's, let's do all things decently and in order. I believe that's, that's what Satan's done. He's done a master stroke with bringing rock and roll music into the local church. It's a master stroke. It has literally caved in the, in the 70s when that started. It started with the Episcopalian church. And they were very liberal in the 70s already and they brought in that rock and roll music but, but I thought, well, nobody else will do it. Then your liberal Presbyterians brought it in. Then your liberal Methodists brought it in. Then your li- some of the liberal Pentecostals brought it in. Then the, the, the uh, Assembly of God's brought it in. Then, then it, well, it came down to the Southern Baptist Convention brought it in. I wish I could tell you that no independent fundamental Bible believers have it but they do, some do it is jumping over every wall. that's put up against it. what it does is it makes the church worldly and Christ If you love the world you're an enemy of God. If you man the word I'm just I'm, I I suppose I'm guilty of listening to and reading Jeremiah. I suppose I'm guilty and and I'll be found guilty of reading Ezekiel. I suppose I'm guilty of reading Isaiah. Lamentations. Because what I hear them say is what I'm telling you tonight. Those people let the world in, they corrupted their worship to Jehovah God. They worshiped Baal and Jehovah same time, the world and, and Jehovah. And God said, Well, I can't even use the verbiage. It's so radical what happens in the book of Jeremiah. What what God did to those people in the book of Jeremiah? What he did to those people through the and what he tells you what they did in the book of Ezekiel, I mean, it's just so wild. I hate to tell you. I mean, it's triple X. It's tough language. He just won't, he can't live with it. Won't put up with it. Don't get out of balance. Don't get out of balance. I have a desire to work with people. Man, I want to work with somebody as long as I can work with them. I want to walk with you as far as I can walk with you. But when you depart from the word of God, when you depart from the truth of God, I can't walk with you anymore. I can love you. You can be my own brother. You can be my you could be my mother or father. It wouldn't make any difference. I gotta be loyal to God first. Because if you begin to walk in such a way, it can be a small thing at first, but it builds up into a big thing, and God will have to discipline you. And this is what the devil does like my uncle, would come in and fire us up, then my mom and dad would whip us. And the devil will tempt you to get out of balance, and then guess who's going to whip you? You're still a child of God. You're still born again believer. I believe you're born from a family. You're born into a family. You get saved. I don't think disobedience takes you out of the family, but I think it makes you susceptible to chastisement, and it makes you susceptible to discipline, and it takes away your effectiveness. Ultimately, if you don't respond to that, so obviously, let's not get out of balance. He tells Joshua, Only be strong, very courageous. Thou mayest observe to do according to all of the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. That's the balance. That thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. He said, If you'll stay on the truth, I'll prosper you. He says to Josiah, And he that And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of David, his father, turn not aside to the right hand or to the left hand. That's the balance. You can go, I know this sounds crazy, but you can go too far right. You can go too far left. you got to ask God for the balance of where God wants you to be. That's before the storm. Fort Myers Beach Fort Myers Beach before the storm that was at Marty Roach's house if I remember right. our Heavenly Father thank you tonight for the Holy Spirit thank you for the Bible thank you for the teaching of the truth of the word of God help us not to err either to the right hand or to the left we need you to help us we need you to strengthen us we need you to give us wisdom like what like what Solomon said, I don't know how to come out or go in. But yet look what happened to Solomon at the end of his life. As wise as a man was, he got out of balance. God said you can have one woman, as a king especially, not supposed to multiply wives and all that, and he disobeyed that one area. And here it destroyed him at the end of his life. Help us, Father, not to fall. In Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Benita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.